0: I will take the ring to Moldor. That scene that you just heard is hopefully recognizable to you. If you're not familiar with it, then I suggest you go out and watch the entirety of that film and then watch the other two that come after it. And then maybe you could go and watch the other three that are supposed to be a prequel to it but came out years and years later. Of course, I'm speaking about J.R. Tolkien's beloved trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Did you know that? Did you know that that's what that was from? I'm sure you did. If you're following this podcast, you know it's a storytelling uh, podcast. It's a creative podcast. And uh, if you know anything about me by now, if you've been listening, that I love good science fiction and fantasy. And nothing quite beats Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings when it comes to epic fantasy. So welcome back, listener, to The Writer's Lens. I'm very, very happy to be back and bringing you guys some more episodes. We'll get into all that later as to why I've been missing, uh, why you've been pining for me to return, and why on earth I decided to do an episode on The Fellowship of the Ring, and what on earth it has to do with finding your place in a group. So stay tuned with me. It's The Writer's Lens. I'm Josh J.C. Felto, and this is episode 63, The Fellowship of the Ring, and finding your place in a group. So it's good to be back, it's good to be back. Uh, I must say, I don't know if I should be apologizing more so than just maybe putting some things out on the table as to why I've been gone for a while. Uh, primarily, the biggest reason was just creative bandwidth had all been used up, and so I've, I've been in a bit of a lull creatively, and uh, the, I don't want to say the pressures or the burdens, but rather the priorities of being a dad of three and a husband, um, those take precedent over this. I'm very sorry. So there are some things I've had to attend to here uh, in late summer, early fall, that have kind of kept me from doing this podcast as consistently as as I would have liked to. But now that we're back in saddle again, uh, I am jacked and ready to start getting back into it. So welcome back, listener. Thanks for tuning back in, for not giving up on me. And for all the letters of sadness that you sent me, uh, saying, Josh, where are you? What's going on? Uh, those were uh, fuel for the fire, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for those. <laughs> but on a more serious note, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, one of the great epics of the last hundred years. Uh, the, the books are great in their own right. The films, to me, were my first introduction to Tolkien's uh, epic tale. Uh, I just feel like I'm going to use the word epic a lot during this episode, so just just bear with me about that, because it is epic. The Lord of the Rings is an epic story. It's, a, it's one of the original epic fantasies, I think, of the last uh, you know 100 plus years or so, and for good reason. It is filled with just about everything you could think of that has fueled the fantasy genre for about that time as well. Orcs, dwarves, hobbits, goblins, demons, uh, wraiths. Uh, you know, ghostly figures, uh, elves. Did I mention elves? I might have mentioned elves. I'm not so sure. Just, you know, everything about Lord of the Rings is in some way an inspiring piece that has given uh, writers that have come after Tolkien something to think about when they go to write their own fantasy epic. So, Mr. Tolkien deserves a lot of credit for, uh, you know, kickstarting. I wouldn't say kickstarting the entire genre, but really creating more of a mainstream outlook on it. I would argue. Uh, you're free to disagree with me, of course, but uh, since I have the mic right now and I'm the only one talking, uh, I'm gonna be the one to push that narrative <laughs> so but uh, but the Fellowship of the Ring, as you may know, I'm sure you know, if, if you don't, is the first in of the three uh, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And the scene that I had played at the beginning of this episode, is the one where uh, Elijah Wood's character, Frodo Baggins, makes a very, very big decision. He decides, you know what, I'm going to be the one to take the, the One Ring into Mordor, uh, but I don't know the way. I don't know how to get there. So there's this bravery-slash-foolishness-slash-naivete and innocence that comes with Frodo's character, And uh, then, of course, all of his friends kind of, well, soon-to-be friends, sort of sweep around him from all the various races of Middle-earth to protect him and go with him, and thus creates what is known as the Fellowship of the Ring. Now, there's some important things to note about this first part of the tale. For those who don't know, The Lord of the Rings originally was one book, okay? It was just one big, gigantic, monstrous book that Tolkien's publishers were like, look, you you need to split this thing up. This is huge. Okay, you can't just you know, write a 900-some page book or whatever it was at the time. Uh, you gotta, you got to split this thing up somehow. So conveniently, uh, you know, they were able to split it up. And the first book, of course, The Fellowship of the Ring, is primarily about the initial struggle of the good guys and how they have to band together and figure out how they're going to stop the rise of Sauron, who is the bad guy of the story. Uh, he's trying to get the Ring of Power back. And in order for him to fully materialize and not be a giant, creepy-looking eye anymore, made out of fire, he has to get his ring back. Uh, Lo and behold, the ring falls into the hands of Frodo and the rest of the peoples of Middle-earth, and away we go. But what's significant about this is that Tolkien understood the need for people to come together in a common interest, for a common goal. Despite their differences, despite even outward appearances... Tolkien knew this, being a uh, you know, someone that grew up in the World War One uh, uh, era, uh, you know, being someone that grew up around that time. Uh, Tolkien understood that war had a way of bringing people together for the sake of bringing about peace again. And a lot of that runs through the story of The Lord of the Rings, because there is this overarching theme that it's good versus evil. That the good guys and the good gals have to come together and realize that in order to at least live in somewhat of harmony, they have to come together to fight the bigger threat, which is the evil Lord Sauron, which is the forces of Mordor, the you know the demons, the goblins, the orcs. Uh, those guys have to be dealt with, and they and we can't do it all on our own. So we have to come together in like a coalition of some sort. So it begs us the question: You know what's the Fellowship? I mean, is it something you put on paper, you write it out, you say, okay, here's our contractual obligation, we're all going to work together, Uh, we're going to sign this peace treaty, that we're not going to fight each other, and we're going to, you know, men, dwarves, elves, hobbits, we're all going to get together and fight the bad guys. Well, a fellowship, by definition, is some sort of association uh, of people who share the same interest or goal. Okay, so you you might say that this also applies to people who join a private club or an organization. So there's this concept of exclusivity involved, you know, even though there's there's inclusiveness. So you can be included as long as you share our interests and goals, and then it's kind of exclusive from, from there, you know, from there out. Uh, so the Fellowship of the Ring, the, the titling of the book, the titling of the movie, if you will, is all about the exclusivity of the folks involved, but relies on the inclusiveness of of getting everybody involved who should be. So again, you have the different races of Middle-earth that have to come together and represent uh, their you know, specific races to fight the bad guys. And what you end up having are nine wayward travelers in the form of a wizard who is a separate being from the others, uh, an elf, a dwarf, uh, two men, and four hobbits uh so this fellowship of 9 okay this fellowship of of people's coming together share the same goal they have the same interest in mind they're they're trying to stop uh you know the evil lord sauron from uh you know taking over their lands and they have to do it together uh in order to achieve this because their strength in numbers what has your social experience been like I mean, I kind of want to pose that question here in the middle of this before you think you know where I'm going with all this. You know, have you ever been part of a club? Have you ever been part of something like a special organization where you can say that you were a fellow or you were a sister or a brother, you know, part of an organization that had shared goals? Uh, Because, you know, for myself, I was part of a fraternity in college. It was co-ed, as it turns out. It was a a community service-oriented fraternity. Uh, It was Alpha Phi Omega. APO strong, for those who are listening. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, our main shtick was that we were servants to the community. And so one of the things that we had to do is we had to, you know, do service hours, you know, every semester, a certain number of hours, report on them, you know, you know uh, paying our dues, being part of the group to have and build and cultivate this, this uh, ideal within everybody that being a servant to your community is a valuable thing. It's a it's something that you should strive towards. And I really like that message about APO. In fact, I was I was really just kind of, you know, twisted by the arm to join the group because uh, one of my buddies, his then girlfriend, who then became his wife, I think had convinced him that this was something that he should do. And so by association, I joined the group and then a few other buddies did as well. Uh, I think at the time we just thought to be good resume builders or perhaps... Uh, maybe my vested interest was to meet girls or something because that's typically why college guys join organizations is because they think they're going to meet girls. Uh, just, again, just kind of speaking openly here. <laughs> it could have been one of the reasons why I joined. Uh, but but to be accepted in, okay, to be accepted in, I mean, that's something that people search for in life. They want to be part of something. They want to be accepted I mean, a prime example of this is just children. Okay, children want to be accepted, and it starts very, very young that they want to be accepted. And they want to be accepted by their parents first and foremost, the ones who help them lay their heads down at night. These are the people that they are looking towards first. Do you delight in me? Okay, do you care about me? You know, do you accept me as as your own? Uh, You know, is this good? You know, am I good? Am I good in your eyes? You know, am I delightful in your eyes? Am I someone that you in, that you don't mind giving time to? Okay, kids start very, very young. Uh, we start very, very young, I should say, just as human beings in general, needing acceptance. We want to be accepted by the ones directly over us. There's this desire, this connection that we're looking for. And this goes on for, the, for our whole lives. I mean, I, I could, you know, kind of branch off and and go down a whole nother path on the idea of acceptance as a, as a child. Uh, But we, we do want to be part of a group, you know, or or we want to be accepted by someone that we deem to be uh, someone we want to be like even, or be mentored by, or be guarded over. You know, we want to be accepted. This is a huge part of human nature that we feel just drawn towards. So, As we get older, we can choose our groups in some sense. We can choose to be part of a fellowship, if you will. We can choose to be part of something. Or we actually can be placed in groups by others, sort of by association. Uh, So what do I mean by that, by choosing groups or being placed in them? So I think about, again, going back to my experience, you know, choosing to be part of APO. Okay, I chose to be part of that fraternity. I wasn't, uh, you know, dragged there and said, you have to sign up for this. You know, you have to pay your dues. You know, you have no way out. You have no choice in the matter. No, I had a choice. I could, have, I could have left at some point, but I liked it. You know, I liked being part of it. It was a cool organization. There were some good people that I got to meet in it. Most of my friends were in it too. Uh, so it was It was a good experience, and it made me want to stay in it because I was connected to people in it. So I got to choose that group, just like I, I chose to be a basketball player. I chose to join the baseball team. I, You know, I chose to be part of uh you know i think it was a uh, national honor society when i was uh in high school and you know, i could have chose to you know get out of that if i wanted to or something so what is this other end of it about being placed in a group against your will you know what is what does that kind of look like well to kind of unpack this idea of being placed in groups by association we all judge other people right okay they just Let's also just accept that, okay? Speaking of acceptance, let's accept the fact that we judge others. We just, we just do, okay? We, we try to be better about it, but we're always kind of sizing up other people. And in some way, we have the ability to place people into groups and segment them into groups for our own benefit, right? Like, Like, you know, Johnny is a jock. Okay, Johnny played football, he played baseball, you know, he did track for a while. He's a jock in my eyes, so he's in the group of jocks, so I can, you know, keep him by association there. You know, Jill was an egghead, you know. She was always in the engineering, you know, uh, fields, and she was always, you know, doing science projects after school, and, you know, didn't really do any, like, physical things like sports, so she's kind of, you know, part of this nerd group or something, right? So... These cliques, if that's the better way of putting it, can kind of define us. Uh, you know, we can get placed into these groups by association by other people. Other people can recognize these things about us, that we have certain interests that we lean towards. And because we lean towards these interests, people can then project those onto us and say, well, you know what? You like being part of uh, sports, so you're a jock. You're a jock in my eyes. We're going to label you as a jock. And you might say, well, wait, wait wait a second. You know, I'm, I'm more than just a jock. You know, I'm more than just a a football player. And you can preach that until, you know, the cows come home, but people could still say, no, no, you're still just a jock to me, right? Many people take this to the extreme and live their whole lives trying to prove other people wrong about what they've been identified as. I mean, Michael Jordan is probably the, the best example of this. Cut from his high school basketball team possibly labeled as a failure. Could have in his own mind thought he was a failure. For the next 25 years or so of his life, he defines himself by overcoming failure over and over and over again. I'm not going to be part of that group. okay? I'm not going to be placed into the association of people who are cut from a team and then they never try again. I'm not going to let myself be part of that group. I'm going to come out of that group. okay? I don't share the interests of failure with others. I'm going to become a winner. I'm going to achieve. I'm going to succeed and put my mind to it so I can be part of that winning team. I'm not going to be part of the group that gets cut. So that's what I mean by that is like people can place you in groups by association. And quite honestly, you don't have a lot of control over that really. I mean, you, a lot of the things that we tend to project or we feel like are being projected, you know, we put on ourselves and in many cases, I think they're very unnecessary burdens uh, that we place on ourselves when it when it comes to be being part of a group or thinking that we're part of a group. In fact, if someone tells us enough that we're dumb or that we're stupid or that we're not capable, we can start to believe it. And then we start to believe that we're part of a group of people that are either too dumb or too stupid or, or can't figure these things out on our own. We will, we will believe that. We actually will believe that. And we will be placed in that group because we've come to believe it because we've heard it so much. Uh, So that's, again, just trying to summarize this as best I can, the difference of what I mean by we choose to be in these groups and people will try to place us in them. Now, ultimately, we can choose to come out of those groups. I mean, my example with Jordan is, I think, a good one where he chose to not be part of this group of people that says, I've been cut from a team, you know, I'm just never going to be able to make it, so I might as well just do something else. No, I'm going to choose to keep trying, Right choose to try and rise above those circumstances so there you go so choosing and being placed in the groups now getting back to the fellowship of the ring uh, after uh, you know after kind of laying a little more framework down here fellowship of the ring established establishes the fellowship as being a voluntary placement okay the members are actively choosing to be part of this group Which, again, keeps with the correct definition of the term fellowship, is that they're part of this group that is exclusive, but it's inclusive based upon the different races being represented. Uh, They're going to go and fight uh, the forces of Mordor. Uh, In which case, it it may have been strange, again, and this is why I think it's good that it was the Fellowship of the Ring and not something else, like maybe the Ring Draft, right? (laughs) Or uh, the Volunteers of the Ring, Okay, you know, you don't you don't hear that. That wouldn't have been a very good title, I'm sure. If Tolkien would have come up with that title, his publishers would have knocked it down immediately. At least I, I would think so. So this this idea of choosing it and being part of this fellowship that is exclusive uh, yet inclusive, based upon the you know the shared interests, the shared goals, it's a fitting title. Okay, it's a, it's a fitting title for this part of the story because the story is ultimately about the nine of them trying to to keep together trying to to keep the vision in front of them. Because, as we all know, as the story unfolds in The Fellowship of the Ring, it starts to break down. The shared interests and the shared goals begin to shift a little bit. You know, some of the members aren't so sure if this is such a good idea anymore, and and some of the members are sort of feigning away, and and one of the members uh, becomes very jealous of Frodo being the ring bearer. And even Frodo himself begins to wonder if, if the people around him he can even trust. You know, so even within this exclusive group, even within this group that has what started out as a shared goal with the, all the best intentions, it starts to unravel. It starts to fall apart at the seams because, again, people have their own interests in mind. You know, we, we're selfish by nature, okay? That's another fact, I think, of, of, uh, of humanity is that we're, our, our natural default is to be selfish, you know, we want to look out for ourselves. Self-preservation is something that we're interested in, as opposed to being selfless. We want to be selfish about ourselves. So having a common goal, having a common interest, these are good things. You know, these are, these are very good things. And, uh, you know, what nobler goal, uh, especially for a fantasy epic, is there to have where you band together with different people groups, to fight the ultimate bad guy of the place where you live. Okay, just a great and noble goal, right? Just a a great and and good thing to do. But as I said before, all of that begins to change as the story unfolds. As they begin to meet adversity, the selfishness begins to arise. The self-preservation begins to come out. Maybe this isn't right for us. Maybe we shouldn't be in this together. Maybe we, should turn back? Maybe we shouldn't have even left. You know, the Shire. You know, as, as the Hobbits begin speaking to each other, maybe you know we could have gone back. Maybe we could have gotten a whole army to come with us. A lot of these doubts and questions begin to surface when adversity starts to strike, because now the vision is being challenged. Right, the the shared goal, the shared interest of the fellowship is being challenged. So the group becomes uh, in danger of of falling apart. It it becomes. Uh, weaker in some sense. And I think this is why in any group that you ever have, it's really important to not just have vision, but to have a leader. There has to be someone that is willing to serve the others by being, I don't want to say a glorified cheerleader because that's not the right way to put it. It's the person who keeps the vision alive. So like the CEO, okay, the president, the you know, the the king or the presiding person over an organization. That's why it's so important that we have leaders. We have to have leadership. We can't just say that everybody come to the table and everybody speak up and say whatever it is they want to say and then we'll just come to decision. No, you have to have someone that, that sort of breaks the, comp, you know, uh, I don't want to say compromise is the right word, someone who, who, who breaks the ties, okay who says yes we're going to go with this direction we're going to go that direction this is the vision that 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 uh, that we're going to go with and in many ways gandalf is the is the vision keeper of the of the fellowship you know he is the wizard of the group you know he's the wisest he's the i don't know is he the oldest i'm not so sure lord of the rings fans if you're listening fact check me on that cuz i'm not going to do it mid mid uh, podcast here and check gandalf's age versus maybe legolas's i don't know who's older because uh, I know the elves are, are immortal, but I think Gandalf is too. I'm not, again, I apologize to all the all the Middle-earth fans listening who are just like, come on, dude, why didn't you know this? Uh, but, but there has to be somebody within the group that keeps the vision alive, who has the shared interests of the group keeping it at the forefront and reminding everybody why they're in this thing in the first place. Um, that's why the roles of leaders are often glorified. Uh, people within the group will often look at leaders and think, wow, it'd be so great to be the leader because look what they get to do. They get to lead other people. They, 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 they raise them up. It's not an easy job. Okay. It's not an easy job to be the leader. Um, you know, even at home, uh, you know, I had mentioned being a dad and, 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 you know, being a husband and having other priorities outside of just this podcast. One of the most, uh, you know, I think taxing things for me or burdensome things for me at times can just be, you know, trying to eliminate sort of the doubts I can have about, well, Josh, are you leading and serving your family well, right? Are you, you know, are you serving your wife well? Are you stewarding uh, your money well? Are you, you know, building foundations for your children that they will be able to make, you know, good decisions as they get older? Are you modeling good examples for them? Uh, You know, being in those positions, having those roles, to be a leader, it's it's not a it's not something you can just fall asleep at the wheel on, because if you do, what do you think happens? The group falls apart. The vision falls apart. It becomes broken in, in many different places. So this vision casting within the fellowship, there has to be a leader. There has to be someone within it that continues to keep the vision alive. And that's what's really interesting about the fellowship of the ring in this story, is because as as you all well know. Gandalf takes a plunge. At one, at one point in the story, he, he's gone. You know, he sacrifices himself in order to get everyone else away. And shortly thereafter, after he's gone, after he has uh, left the group by fighting off the Balrog, uh, the group slowly begins to unravel. It slowly begins to fall apart. Boromir uh, betrays them. He gives in to the seduction of the One Ring. Frodo begins to realize that he can't trust everybody. He thinks he has to go off on his own. Uh, everyone else kind of goes off on their own as well. There's this great test at the end of the film at least, where Aragorn is tested before Frodo. So when you lose your leader, there's a lot of testing that happens. There's a lot of character testing. The vision has been has been cracked in some way, and do the people that have been part of the group, do they, do they believe in the vision enough to keep it going? Uh, so the group must make that decision. Are we going to stay together? Are we going to you know, bring about a new leader within our group? We need to figure these things out. Because, and on to my, my last point of this podcast, which I, uh, I hope is, is uh, received well, <laughs> is that the reason why the Fellowship of the Ring as well is such a good story and the reason why it works so well is because of the diversity of the characters. And so what I mean by that is that you have these different races of beings, okay? Uh, And they are coming together for a common goal, for a shared interest, all that. all All the things we've been talking about throughout this episode. But they come together not with diversity of thought, okay? And I want to be very careful how I say this as far as diversity of thought. Not that they don't have different ideas or anything like that that they bring to the group, but there isn't this diversity of goals or interests that are at least first and readily seen. There is the overarching goal of, we have to come together to destroy the ring, so we're all going to band together, so everyone shares in that big goal. But their diversity of skills, their diversity of abilities and capacities, makes them a stronger group. It's kind of like synergy, if you're familiar with the term of synergy. So one plus one equals three. It's kind of like in a marriage, you know, a husband and wife, you put them together, it's one and one. Well, guess what? If if the stars align and things go well, uh, you're going to have a baby involved. So one and one becomes three in in some way. So it's it's like a synergistic thing where the skill sets of the, the differing groups of people, the, the skill sets of the people involved, make for a stronger group. And I think there's a lot of narrative out there right now about how uh, we have to have such diversity of just what we see on the surface instead of looking at the diversity of skill sets and the diversity of uh, capabilities and capacities. Because when you have diversity of skill sets and you have diversity of capacities and abilities, it becomes... A much more fruitful experience because people can share and exchange with one another what their skills are and show other people what their skills are that they can go oh you know that's that's really something you know I I never would have you know considered that or maybe that is the better way of doing something Uh, you know and and again you could use the example of the United States you know the the incredible diversity of America uh, when it comes to skill sets and, and people groups that come together. Uh, to become the melting pot that we are, uh, it's it's on a macro and on a micro level, this idea of diversity of skills and the strength of it, because I think that the false narrative is diversity becomes strength, uh, even when it's ideology, and I don't think that's true at all. Diversity and ideology is a is a shaky foundation. Uh, we have to have the same overarching. Uh, you know, sort of horizon that we're we're headed towards. Uh, If we have different horizons that we're going towards, then things begin to fall and unravel very quickly, as they did in the Fellowship of the Ring. Once other interests became involved, once, uh, you know, selfishness took hold, or, you know, people had different plans for what they would do with the ring, the group fell apart. You know, everything began to, you know, again, like I said, crumble from within. So this diversity idea of skills and abilities that's really what matters and that and that transcends you know male or female it transcends you know even race i mean i think the lord of the rings is a great example of different races coming together and working well together okay elves and dwarves who historically don't really like each other that much and even men who aren't really trusted by the elves and the hobbits who are kind of frowned upon because they're small and they're You know, like, what can they do, right? Like, they're not warriors, they're not fighters. Like, what are they going to be able to do? And yet somehow, through the diversity of their skill sets, they're able to do a lot of really impressive and great things uh, throughout the story. And grow as well, you know, being able to see what the other uh, folks can do. So I'm a big, big proponent of that. You know, this idea of, you know, multifaceted characters and the exchange of their skill sets to make for a really compelling story, because how boring would it be if the story would have been about all elves taking the ring to Mordor, and you don't get to see any hobbits, you don't get to see any dwarves, you don't get to see any of, of the of men. Okay, now some people might like that if there's just elves, but I wouldn't, right? I mean, I wouldn't. I'd want to see what happen when you mix all the different races together. I'd want to see what happens when they are forced to work together and to use their their differing skills together to fight together because there's some really really good scenes uh, beyond just the Fellowship of the Ring, where the different races are fighting together to to beat the common enemy. So, so that's that's my analysis of this this concept of of the Fellowship, uh, and you know this this idea of finding our place in a group, finding acceptance, being part of a group that's inclusive but also exclusive in some way, having Diverse skill sets that we bring to the group that that people may have never seen before, uh, you know, all of these things are just just overflowing in this in this fantasy epic, and I and I love it for that. I just absolutely love the story because of these reasons, and why I think it's such a great great tale uh, to begin with. Plus, this time of year, it's it's towards the end of the year, it's getting colder here in uh, the Midwest, and I always get an itch to watch the trilogy. I don't know if I'm going to have the ability to do that uh, this year. Having three small children it seems to be an impossible task. I would have to do it really, really late at night, and I'm pretty sure I would fall asleep by 10 o'clock. So may not happen this year. It may not happen. But if you want to, uh, you know, pray for me, send me a sympathy card. Maybe at one point I'll get to watch the, the whole trilogy in order again. The extended edition as well. <laughs> so anyway, could be a good cure for insomnia too at some, in, some, in some way. But uh, anyway, so thanks for, thanks for coming back on here with me, uh, guys. Uh appreciate you just kind of sticking it out. I actually have a little bit of good news before I let you go here. Uh, my last month in October, even though I released one episode, I had an incredible amount of downloads. Uh, one of the best months I've had in, in many months, actually. So uh, thank you for tuning in, and to anyone who's new to the podcast who was like, okay, this guy just released an episode in October, where has he been? Uh, well, I'm back, and I appreciate just the support and whatnot. So so we're back on the Writer's Lens. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, I'll say, like, share, subscribe. Let someone know about this storytelling, creative podcast. They might enjoy it as well. And as I've always said, you can reach out to me let me know if you enjoy or not like uh, you know, cruel comments are always welcome, I just may not respond to those as, as opposed to the nicer ones so anyway, have a great week guys I'll catch you later, this is Josh e. C. L. for the Writers Lens.